0: Hey, can you jump with later? It's George Avenue here. of the Yukon, chapter 9, Uncle Tibo's Ranch. Is your mom sure she really wants to get off the boat here? My new friend Kip. My diary, Kirkman Creek, Yukon, August 24th, 1898. We found Mama waiting for us near our campsite on the beach. "We found another musketeer," said Eve as I introduced Kip. Mama hadn't been able to find us a good boat to go to Whitehorse. There were some men willing to take us, but she didn't think their boat looked very strong. "'You should come with us,' said Kip. "'My dad is a very good boatman. "'It took us all a second to realize that he had said it in French. "'Kip's dad was named Franchot Dutoit, and he was a French-Canadian too. "'He was from New Brunswick, and he knew all about guiding boats on dangerous rivers. "'Nowadays, most people go from Bennett to Whitehorse by sternwheeler. "'Those are big steamboats with big wheel-shaped paddles at the back, called the stern, "'to make the boat go. "'But that summer, there were still a few people who went by small boat. "'Kip and his dad had just finished building a boat.' Some gold miners had hired Kip's dad to float their supplies down to Dawson. Kip's dad agreed right away. I don't think he'd been able to speak French to anyone except his kids for years. We were very busy packing up the boat. Fortunately, we didn't have much in the way of supplies, or there wouldn't have been room. The boat was made from Yukon trees, which Kip's dad and his friend had cut down and sawed into boards. They had built the boat, putting sap and ripped up rope between the boards to keep the water out. Then there was a single mast with a small sail. First, we sailed Bennett Lake to Caribou Crossing, or Carcross, as they call it, and then Windy Arm and Tagish Lake. We were really careful on these lakes because they can get windy very fast. Kip's dad said with kids on board he always stayed close to shore. But we had good weather. Mama and Kip's dad sat at the back talking about adult things, while Kip told us all about the Yukon, and we told him about Montreal and the Three Musketeers. A couple of times, we were passed by stern wheelers. Some were fancy-looking, and others just looked like barges but they were fun to watch as their wheels turned and big puffs of black wood smoke came out of their smokestacks. On Tagus Lake, one called the Nora came very close to us, and the people all waved at us, especially the passengers on the top deck, who were sitting around admiring the scenery. When the captain noticed us kids, he blew the steam whistle three times to say hello. As we floated along, Kip taught Eve and me how to play chess. He had a little board with pieces that his dad had carved out of willow. He was very good, but he didn't mind playing slowly so we could learn. He even taught me the Scholar's Mate, which is a way to get checkmate in four moves on adults who don't pay attention when they play with kids. After Tagish Lake came the Tagish River, and then Marsh Lake, then the Yukon River to Whitehorse. The Yukon River was a strong river. You could feel its power. You didn't seem to be going too fast until you looked at the trees on the banks and saw them zipping past. Kip's dad and his two friends steered us very well, either with poles or with big paddles on the back of the boat. Just up from Whitehorse, we pulled the boat over to the side at a place called Canyon City. There were terrible rapids there in a place called Miles Canyon. Then, just after them, were the White Horse Rapids. Lots of people had been drowned there the year before in the gold rush. We landed at Canyon City. There was a little tramway that mister McCauley had built around the rapids. It had wooden tracks and little cars that were pulled by horses. We unloaded the boat and put the boxes onto the tram car. Sometimes people even put their boat onto the tram, but ours was a bit too big. Kip's dad wouldn't let my mom or any of the kids ride in the boat through Miles Canyon. It was too dangerous. So we loaded the tram car and then ran to the edge of Miles Canyon. Kip watched nervously as his dad and a friend steered the boat. Kip's dad stood at the back with another fellow, while two others stood at the front with very long oars. Watch, said Kip. Now the boat's just floating towards the canyon. My dad's just steering a tiny bit. But once it gets into the current, suddenly the boat accelerated as the river pulled it into the canyon. No going back now. The boat disappeared into huge waves and clouds of spray. Sometimes you could see it, sometimes not. Kip's dad's oar broke and we all gasped, but he grabbed another and used it to push the boat away from the canyon wall. The next bit is the devil's punch bowl. It's like a huge bowl in the river and can spin you around so you smash into the walls of the next part. Fortunately, Kip's dad steered the boat right through the middle and out of sight. When we got to the end of the tram line, which was just across the river from the town of Whitehorse, we found Kip's dad and the boat waiting. He was soaking wet from the spray, but had a big smile on his face. From there, we floated for a few days towards Dawson. The mountains and scenery were beautiful. There was plenty of time to rest and to talk, and we played a lot of chess with Kip. It's a very good game, since it teaches you to think ahead. Always think two moves ahead, is what Kip told us to do. I was able to trick Mama into falling for the scholar's mate checkmate twice, although the second time she seemed to be paying more attention to Kip's dad than to the game. The only scary part was five-fingers rapids. We shot these rapids without stopping. It seemed just as dangerous as Miles Canyon, especially when we passed through the big rock walls all around. Kip said it was really a lot safer than Miles Canyon. Finally, we were getting near Uncle Tibo's place at Kirkman Creek. I don't remember a big ranch at Kirkman Creek, said Kip's dad, as he read one of the letters from Uncle Tibo that Mama had with her. Maybe it's up the creek a bit, said Kip. Around the bend, maybe, he said. He didn't sound too hopeful. Yeah, around the bend, I guess, said his father. It was late and was starting to get a bit darker. By the end of August, you start to have dark nights again in the Yukon, but we spotted Kirkman Creek in time and managed to pull over to the bank. There were a couple of small cabins and a few lazy dogs lying on the dirt by the shore. You sure you want to get out here? asked Kip. I wasn't sure, but Mama was being brave. Sure, these people can tell us where Thibault's ranch is, she said confidently. We started unloading our things. We were standing on the bank wondering how to find Uncle Thibaut's place when suddenly he appeared. Aurora, is that you? I haven't seen you since you were a baby. Eve, look how big you are. Then he saw Mama. Marie, that's Mama's name. I'm so glad to see you. He was so friendly and happy to see us. He and Mama hugged. It made us all feel a bit better. Kip and his dad said goodbye. He was crying because he liked Kip so much. Every little boy likes to have a big boy around. But I was crying too. And so was Kip, I think. Anyway, he gave me his chest set. It might be a long winter, he said. Then he jumped on the boat. They pushed out into the current. Have a good trip, shouted Uncle Thibault. Marie, come see us if you ever need anything, shouted Kip's dad. Remember that. We waved, and they were gone in a few seconds. So how far is it to the ranch? I asked Uncle Thibault. What? You're here. Uncle Thibault showed us around. This is the lodge. He pointed at a small log cabin with a grass roof. Not a grass roof like on a tropical island, but with dirt on top, with grass growing out. Lots of beautiful Yukon poppies were growing on top. The cabin had a big porch with an overhanging roof. There were lots of axes, saws, and animal traps hanging around the porch. I looked at my I could see she was thinking the same thing as me. When I read the word lodge in Uncle Tibo's letter, I thought it meant a big country house with lots of bedrooms. Next was the wood lot. Uncle Tibo chopped a lot of wood to sell to the stern wheelers. Then Uncle Tibo showed us what he called the back 40. There were some cages with a few chickens and rabbits. This is where we keep the cattle. He pointed to a large pen with one skinny cow in it. A horse with a big bandage on his leg looked at us and neighed. And here is the guest house. It's all yours. It was a cabin just like the lodge, except a bit smaller and with fewer saws and axes on the front. It was getting late, so we went in. Amal couldn't find the matches in the dark, but you could see where the bed was. She tossed our sleeping bags on top of the bed and we all jumped in. She gave us a big hug and we all lay back to go to sleep. As I lay there, something seemed funny with the ceiling. It seemed to have little lights on it. I blinked. Suddenly, Eve pointed straight up. A roar! I saw a shooting star! Then we saw a few more. There was a huge hole in the roof. Even mom laughed. She said we might as well enjoy the shooting stars. If you see a shooting star, you can make a wish, I said. Mama replied that her wish had already come true. She said she was just happy that the three of us had made it safely to Uncle Thibaut's and that I could think of the next wish. Then she pulled the sleeping bags up over our heads to keep the mosquitoes and rain off of us in our new bedroom.